Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoop Swirl on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Another edition of Swoops World Late Night, December 7th, 2016. The 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor attacks. And uh, we remember that uh, this year. Yeah, we remember it every year, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a milestone. Uh, 75 years. Wow. There's only a few, uh, about a handful of people left, uh, less than 200, I believe, that were um, there when that happened 75 years ago. So uh, all those vets uh, getting up there in age, and, and we're losing them all. Gradually, but uh, we remember that we remember this day. Um, at least we, you know, I don't remember it, but uh, remember studying about it, and uh, you know, it's always going to be in our memories. Uh, big show tonight. We're looking forward to uh, a couple great guests. We have Maury Wills. I mean, gosh, the Dodger great Maury Wills. Uh, and, you know, this guy was stealing bases and played shortstop. Just an amazing, amazing athlete to watch and we're happy to have him on and uh followed by uh, our, our colleague anthony davis will be joining us and uh i'm sure he's excited because his his school sc is going to be playing another rose bowl and uh we're going to talk to him about how they got in there and all the all the things going on in the in sports so that uh, you know we're looking forward to having a chat with him too so uh full full night and uh, like i said can't be more excited than to have maury wills as our guest tonight we're going to take our first break and uh come on back and get maury on the show you're listening to swoops world on the talk story radio network sponsored by healthynewday.com and we'll be back after this hey how you doing this is joe walsh i'm speaking on behalf of rad it's okay to rock and roll right but don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. At 7, I shower. Every day I wake up at 5. For those caring for a loved one, we hear you. 
That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Go for a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Well, that's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. And welcome back to Seuss World. We're going to see if we can get Maury on the line right now. Hello. Hello. We'd like to welcome the great Dodger legend, Maury Wills, to the show here on Soup's Row. How you doing, Maury? Happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Is this Keith? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Keith. How you doing? It's, 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 a ple- uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on our show tonight, Maury. Thank you, Keith. I don't know what time it is there, but it's late here. <laughs> it's 8 o'clock. It's 8.05. And, uh... 805. Yeah, 805. And you know what, uh, I'd like to just kind of start with, uh, you know, going back, uh, you know, I've done, you know, some looking up on you. And I mean, you were an amazing uh, athlete going back to high school days. Uh, You played three sports. You pitched, I I understand you pitched a a one hitter. Uh, You played uh, pitcher and, and quarterback on the football team and basketball. Tell us a little bit about growing up in D.C. and playing, uh, playing sports back in those days. <laughs> well, well, I'm one of thirteen children. I have eight sisters and four brothers. Wow, uh, thirteen of people didn't know any better in those days. <laughs> um, there was a family down the street from us that had thirteen. I mean, had had twenty-two children. Wow, twenty-two. Isn't that shame? Isn't that a shame? <laughs> but as I said, people didn't know any better then. But. um so we grew up, uh, I grew up uh, four and five of us in a bed, and uh, uh, those um, those were, well, I'm going back to, I was born in 1932, so I'm going back to the 40s. Yeah. Um, you want to hear about this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well... We had a wood stove, and I I grew up Keith when when we uh, had an outhouse. Mm. That's unheard of today. <laughs> yeah. It's unheard of for a long time, but that's that's the way it was. My dad was uh, a Baptist minister. We went to church every Sunday, and uh, we um, believed in God. I still do. Um. Uh, as I said, four and five in a bed, and um, and then on Saturdays, um, uh, in this building that we lived in, we'd string up a line of diagonally across the corner of a room and put one of those big old galvanized metal um, tubs 
inside, uh-huh. heat the water on a wood stove, and then pour the water into the to the uh, tub, and we would all take turns taking a bath. And I think I I got about the sixth or the seventh water. <laughs> Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and for water in the house, we had to walk about uh, two city blocks up the road to a pump. Yeah. And bring water back in the pail. Wow. So, I, I, I guess I'm mentioning this because um, uh, I just wanted to share uh, how I grew up. It was yeah. very... Uh, um, you know, not not too much to brag about, but it was all we had. But it was enough. And it was great at that time. Um, and we went to church every Sunday. As I said, my my dad was a Baptist minister, and his brother Uncle Raymond uh-huh. uh, was a minister, and they could preach. <laughs> they could, they preached until we started crying. Wow! Wow! And uh, so I grew up with a good spiritual foundation. And uh, that has served me well all my life. I'm 84 now, and I I, I, I believe in God, and and I I treat people. And and at 84, I I don't I can't think of one ill feeling that I had for any one person, place, or thing. Oh, and, and that's that's pretty nice. Yes, you uh you you were drafted by the Brooklyn Dodgers and, and signed in in '51, correct? Uh, let me see. Uh, I was signed by the Brooklyn Dodgers. That's correct. I think I was, let me see, I graduated from high school in 1950. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I was drafted in 1950 and I went to spring training in 51. Wow. And you in put, the spring of 51. And, and you were, you were in the, I mean, you had a long stint in the minors. A lot of guys, uh, I think the Dodgers, the Dodgers brought ship in 59. So you were in the minors for about eight years and, 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 and still was able eight to Eight and break, a half. Wow. And still was able to break in. That's, that's almost unheard of, isn't it? Oh, it is unheard of. Um, <laughs> oh, um, I, I want to see now. Um, yeah, you know, if. Usually, the norm is if you, if a kid doesn't make it to the big leagues in about three, four years, the kid gets discouraged and he quits. Uh-huh. Or either the organization figures he's not going to make it. So they they let you go. Yeah. But for some reason, I must say, I, I, I know that I, I had a hero, and I wanted to go where he was, and his name was Jackie Robinson. Mm. And he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, and I think Jackie came up, I might be mistaken, but I think he came up in 1947. And, and and that inspired me to want to get out of the project and and be a major league baseball player. And I wanted to be, I wanted to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I wanted to be there with Jackie. Um, it was a dream and, and I never let it go. Yeah. Um, um, so, so I, so a number of years later when I was, uh, <clears throat> when I was young, about 15, I used to play on Sundays with grown men who called themselves semi-pro. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and heck, I must have been, but I said 15. Yeah. And they'd let me play with them because I was good enough. And uh, so um, one day, these grown men, um, they, they, they were just hardworking men. Uh, some of them had families. And, um, you know, they all had a half a pint of whiskey in their back pocket. <laughs> um, you know, it's like the old movies you might see, like, uh, I wish some of those old movies, um, can't think of right now, but they all had a half pint in their back pockets. If you'll notice on, this is funny, I'm going to mention this though. You'll notice uh, on, on the baseball uniforms, they, 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 they pocket, the back pocket. Yeah, is the is the perfect size for <laughs> half a pint of whiskey. I don't know why. There's no connection. They didn't mean for it to be that way, but it just happened. It just it just it just worked out that way. <laughs> just worked out that way. And you know they don't make half pints of whiskey anymore. <laughs> but they all these all these men uh, who worked had jobs of some sort. Played on Sundays. They all had a half pint of whiskey in their back pockets. And they were even careful how they slid when they were playing in the game because they didn't want to break that bottle. It was a, it was perfect for me to learn how to slide. Yeah. And it helped me later in my major league career when I was stealing bases. And and, and any 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 throw from the catcher above the waist and even got so above the knees wasn't good enough. Yeah, to get me, because I had this slide that I picked up from these these men who call themselves semi-pro. Right. I don't know why semi-pro. <laughs> so <laughs> they were semi-paid. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, but I learned how to play the game with them. Yeah. And they all played old Negro League type baseball, which was not the home run. Because we played in open fields, we didn't have fences. Mm. So you hit one in the gap. Now, I, I, even today, I, I train Dodger players, players that make ten and fifteen million dollars a season, Keith, for yeah. playing baseball. Wow! And um, if you hit one in the gap, the gap is, and so I, I have fun with them when I'm when they call me Uncle Maury. The players, they, they like me because I don't talk down to them. But I don't suck up to them. But I, I just tell it like it is. Right. And, and when they make a mistake, I let them know. I don't care they make ten million a year. It's still just kids trying to learn the rudiments of the game. Absolutely. So uh, my point is, um, I boy, I got on that. I was and, and I forgot my point. <laughs> oh, you were saying about the gap when they went and they, when they hit. Oh, the gap. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're listening, Keith. <laughs> So, so I, I, I started there in the group. They're all around me. They're like, like, we stand like kids, you know, in the playground. They're all around me, and I'm talking to them. I said, I said, guys, you got two gaps out there, two gaps in the outfield. Where are they? And I can hear one player turning to the other. Say, hey, man, where's the gap? <laughs> <laughs> the gap is between right center and left center. Uh, uh I mean, uh, let's say. Uh, left field and left center is the gap. Mm-hmm. The other gap is right field and right center. 
They'll do two gaps in the outfield. Anytime a ball is in the gap, man, you just put your head back and you know you got to double at least. And, and and so we played on open fields. And if you can run a little bit, you might have an inside park home run. Wow, wow. And, and, and that was old Negro League ball. And that's how we played and, and, and learning to slide. Because if you hit one in the gap and you and you have to slide in second or you have to slide in third or you might have to slide in at home, um, you know, depending on how fast you are. Right. So you learn to slide. And uh, I took that in when I got signed by the Dodgers at 17 to, to go with by the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, I took that with me. And that's how I became a good base stealer. Yeah. But but a lot of people associate base stealing with Moy Wills. Um, because I sold a hundred and well, how many did I steal in one season? Uh it was a one on one. I think I read it uh, Yeah, I know, I should know. I <laughs> yeah, I forgot already. <laughs> um but I led the league six consecutive years in in, in steals. Uh and 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 I learned that when I was fifteen. Uh, wanting to go to Brooklyn to be where Jackie was. Wow. And and I remember when when that, and and these old uh, players, older players that call themselves semi-pro with a half pint of whiskey in their back pocket, one day saw an ad in. This is how God works in your life. Saw an ad in the local newspaper in Washington D.C. called the Washington Daily News mm-hmm. that. Major League Baseball was conducting a clinic at Griffith Stadium. Griffith Stadium is where the Washington Senators played, who uh, later moved to and now are the Minnesota Twins. So, um, so, um, but then later another Washington uh, Washington uh, Major League Baseball game, D- Washington D.C. a Major League team, and they eventually moved to. Texas, they're called the Texas Rangers now. So, for those people who are listening, I'm, I'd like for them to know that I, I know in baseball, I didn't get it confused. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyway, so they saw, these older men saw an ad in the Washington Daily News, which is a news, uh, local paper, that Major League Baseball was conducting a baseball clinic at Griffith Stadium, where the, the Washington Senators lay. Mm-hmm. Kids between the ages of 17 and 19, please come and bring your mitts. So they cut up enough money to get enough gas. Heck, we only talked about, about 10 miles. But um, this is 19, well, it's outside 1950, this is 1949 now. Uh-huh. This part before your time, huh, Keith? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so they took me up there, and they had a load of kids from all over the area. And I just sat there. I got a number, and I sat there and I waited. And and the camp was run was so long that they finally said, "Okay, the camp's over. Sorry, we didn't get to everybody." Well, these old guys that uh, play call themselves semi-pro with their half pint of whiskey in their back pocket. There's about four of them. They were sitting there. I saw them down on the field. They all had a half pint of whiskey, and they were nipping the whole time. <laughs> uh, the, the, the clinic was being conducted. So I saw them down there with 
a couple of the, the scouts kind of grabbing a hold of him as if to say, no, you're not, it's not over. You got, you got to see this boy. He's good. Talking about me. Yes. And besides, we've been sitting here for, for four hours. Now you can tell me the camp's over? Wow. So, so the scout, they probably put a little fear in him. So the scout said, well, 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 said, well bring him down and we'll look at him then. Just, just so he could get rid of these guys. But now they might, yeah. they might have been drunk. And this is all God's work now. So God's, there's a saying that God works in strange ways, right? <laughs> strange to us. Yes. Way. Yeah, so, so, so okay. Um, so they called me down. And they got a hitter out there, and three. And I struck him out with three pitches. Wow! And then they put another. I put a batter up there. I struck him out in three pitches. Then they put another hitter up there, and I struck him out in three pitches. Scout said, "Wow!" So that's three outs. So the scout said, "Can you pitch another inning, kid?" I said, "Yes, sir." So I pitched another inning. Struck out the first batter. Struck out the next batter, and struck out the next batter. <laughs> so wow. Scout says, okay, um, do you have a phone? We'll, 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 we'll be in touch with you. So, 13 kids, one bath in the house, only three bedrooms. And um, my mom and dad had one bedroom. We had the other two, the 13 of us. Right. Um, so, we had, but we had a phone. So, I gave him the phone number. So, we waited a week. We waited 10 days. We waited two weeks. They hadn't called. They're not going to call. They just wanted to get rid of those old guys who were pulling on them. But sure enough, after about four weeks, the scout called and they had another camp. It was up in Harvard Gras, Maryland, which is just above Baltimore, north of Baltimore. Oh, so you had to travel a little distance for that, huh? Oh, yeah. They got enough gas up in the car. I, I, I'm still on the 17. So they took me up there. And now they had the finalists, kids from about three different camps they had conducted. So I pitched the first inning, struck everybody out, pitched the next inning, struck everybody out. And the guy said, kid, can you pitch another inning? I said, yes, sir. So I pitched another inning, struck everybody out. Then they had a, a race. It was A race was a, a 60 yards. That's a, that's a baseball race. <laughs> Football race is 40 yards, and, but a baseball race is... is a, 60 yards. That's from home to second base. Ah. Or from second to home. So, yeah. Because it's 90 feet from one base to the other. That's 30 yards, right? 90 feet? Right. And so 30 yards, 30 yards from home to first, and first to second makes 60 yards. So, uh, so, they, so, um, so they had a 60-yard race, and I, I, and I ran everybody. <laughs> so, and, and, and I was the littlest one out there. And so, Scout came and said, son, you want to play major? You want to play professional baseball? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, okay, we'll be in touch with you. One week went by. So we went home. We were real happy. One week went by. Two weeks went by. Three weeks went by. We hadn't heard from the Scouts. Oh, those Scouts are not going to call. They're not going to come by. They just wanted to get rid of those, those, those older men who were drinking and and acting up. So finally, uh, the scout called and said, we're coming over tomorrow. Um, am I making this story too long? No, no, no. I, I'm okay. <laughs> okay. 
So he said, we're coming over tomorrow. So, boy, you should have seen my, my eight sisters, my four brothers. Uh, um, clean, we're cleaning the house, and we're throwing stuff in the We live in the projects. Mm-hmm. And you know the projects, public housing, for anybody who's listening might not know what projects are. Um, public housing, we threw stuff in the closets, and we put our shoulders to the door and pushed the door closed and said, don't touch the knob. <laughs> <laughs> and and now, so the next day, and we swept up everything as well as we could. And next day, the scouts came. And all eight sisters and four brothers standing around the wall of the living room, and my dad sitting right there. And I don't know where my mom was, must have been there, too. Yeah. Um, so the scouts came and they talked a little bit. And so we figured we're going to get all this money and we're going to leave out of the projects <laughs> and get a nice home. So the scouts talked a little while and then they said, well, uh, okay, we're going to offer you uh, $500. And, and that's it. That was it. $500. Um, we you know we were thinking about getting all this big money. Yeah. So, so uh, well, my dad stuttered and he said, "What? So we're gonna get a little bit more than that?" So this guy said, "No, actually, it was four hundred to start with." Then he said, "I'm gonna give you. I'll give you five hundred then." And grabbed their coats and they were getting ready to leave. Well, my my dad had never seen five hundred dollars at one time in his life, so he. So he just, we take it. Yeah. So that was my bonus, $500, and I gave it all to my parents. Wow. And I'm going to Brooklyn with Jackie. That's what I want to do, because they were Dodger Scouts. And uh, so the next spring, I got on the train at Union Station in Washington, D.C., Union Station was a train station, and my little buddies, uh, the Shorts was a name that had the, the uh, 23 kids, mm-hmm. at, at, at least 15 were boys. Because when they called off the lineup, the name of our team was the Pontiac Indians. I don't know how we got that name. Somebody must have had a car with a Pontiac, so we <laughs> named <laughs> Pontiac Indians. And, and anybody, uh, the Pontiac Indians is B Wills, D Wills, G Wills, A Wills. And F wheels and E short, B short, D short, <laughs> C short, the shorts and the wheels. So all the short boys and my brothers went to Union Station in Washington, D.C. to see me off wow. uh, to go to Florida for my first spring training. And I waved to them as the train was, as I was getting on the train and said, in two years' time, I'm going to be in Brooklyn with Jackie. Well, Eight and a half years later, I'm still in the minor leagues. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't give in. I wouldn't give in, Keith. Yes. I, I, I had a dream, and I wanted to be there. I was so inspired to go to Brooklyn and play Major League Baseball with Jackie Robinson because I saw the impact he had on our neighborhood. Right. Uh, all the people, I mean, it was so dull and dingy, the neighborhood, and all of a sudden it came to life. Uh, everybody talking about this black man up in Brooklyn named Jackie Robinson. And and, and it just inspired me. So I got on the train, and it took a day and a half to get to Florida, but that was was not too long for me. No. And I got there, and, yeah, and I was on the field. Again, I'm the littlest one on the field. 
But uh, I was a pitcher. They said all of them, you know, they broke us up in positions. They had about five right fielders, five center fielders, five left fielders, four third basemen, four shortstops, four first basemen, four second basemen, three catchers, and they had about 25, 30 pitchers. And they were all big guys. You want the size on a pitcher. And for some reason, I had to, the, 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 the presidents that go to the coach, to the, the manager, I said, hey, 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 coach. I call him coach because I'm just right out of high school. I said, coach, I can play second base because there was no, well, there's only two or three at second base. He said, you can, we're going over there. <laughs> I never pitched. Never pitched. I never pitched. And I had no hitters, and I had one hitters when I was pitching in high school. But, you know, to play professional ball was a little different. you got to have some size if you're going to be a pitcher. Right. So uh, I went to spring training, and uh, I was so happy to be there. And I said, I'm thinking, I waved to my little buddies as the train was pulling off from Union Station in Washington, D.C. And I said, bye. In two years' time, I'm going to be in Brooklyn with Jackie. In two years' time, I'm going to be in Brooklyn with Jackie. Eight and a half years later, I'm yeah. still in the minor leagues. Wow. What was it like? Because I played. When they finally yes, called you up? What was it like when they finally called you up? I mean, had you... Had you been in there so long that you, I mean, you still had your dream of trying to get to the big, the big leagues, but uh, were you starting to have doubts? No. I, I never had a doubt. And I would never thought of quitting. Um, I, I was, I was, I wanted to be the best player that I could be. Mm-hmm. And I just had my sights set on going to Brooklyn with Jackie. I don't know. I, it doesn't make any sense to me today, but I was locked in. You would think that after a number of years that I would say, well, I'm not going to make this, so I'll just go home and get a job. No, but I wouldn't give in. And, see, I had some tools. You know, they like speed, and I can run. They had races, and I ran everybody everywhere I was in, in the game. And I had a strong arm because I was a pitcher. I was too small to be a pitcher, so they, they put me at shortstop when I became a professional. Yeah. But I had a strong arm and I could run, and 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 the, and the strong arm is something they cannot teach you, and speed, a foot, is something they cannot teach you. Those are God-given attributes, and I had them both, and that's what kept me around. Uh, just about every league I played in, I, I led the league in steals, stolen bases, and I was a pretty good shortstop. But I was strictly right-handed hitter, and I was afraid of the curveball. Oh. And, and, and and they call that curveball Uncle Charlie. And, uh, and and when that ball comes down at your head and you flinch and back off and then it breaks over the plate. Yeah. And once the other team finds out that you can't hit Uncle Charlie, that's all you're going to see. And that's what kept me in the minor leagues for eight and a half years. But those tools I had, a strong arm and, 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 and a foot, kept me around. Because that was enough to impress him enough to keep me around. And now, I, I, I want to share this part, Keith. Uh-huh. And when Jackie Robinson came up to Brooklyn in 1947, some of the white players on the team refused to play with Jackie because of the color of his skin. Right. They went to Branch Rickey, the owner of the club, 
and and told Mr. Ricky, we're not going to play with Jackie Robinson, this Robinson guy. And uh, one of those players was a catcher named Bobby Bragan. Bobby Bragan is white, and he's from Birmingham, Alabama. My eight and a half years, my 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 uh, in the middle of my eighth year in the minor leagues, going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Bobby Bragan became my manager at Spokane, Washington, Triple A ball in the minor leagues. Triple really? A is the highest classification. You got D, C, um, B, A, Double A, Triple A, um, and I'm in Triple A now. So Bobby was at was the manager of Brooklyn, and he was a manager at Cleveland. Yeah, not Brooklyn. He was a manager. Oh, boy, I know he's manager at Pittsburgh, and then at at Cleveland, and he got fired. The minor league team that I played for somehow got him to come over to be our manager at Spokane, Washington, in the AAA Pacific Coast League. It's God's working in my life again now. The general manager from Fort Worth, Texas, where Bobby lived, called Bobby and asked him if he would come over and manage the AAA team in Spokane, Washington. He figured if Bobby came, maybe the fans would come out to see him. Oh, because, because he was so popular, weren't. yeah. Right. He, 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 they weren't coming to see us. So about the third day there and Bobby was there, I'm still uh, shying away from Uncle Charlie. He's watching me. So in batting practice, about the third day he's there, batting practice, I jumped over on the left. I'm not, I was strictly right-handed hitter. But I jumped over on the left side, just horsing around. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not serious anymore. I'm just going to play, be a minor league player, so I'm having fun. I jumped on the left side, and I took a couple swings. So when batting practice was over, Bobby, who was sitting in the dugout watching, got up and met me halfway from the home plate where the batting cage was, home plate to uh, the dugout halfway. He met me and put his arms around me and said, Maury, now Bobby Bragan from Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. He's white. He refused to play with Jackie because of the color of Jackie's skin. And he came and put his arms around me. And he said, Maury, I was, this is God working. It's got to be. Um, um, And I know that because Bobby and I, he, well, let me finish the story. He put his arms around me and he said, Maury, I was watching you. You look pretty good swinging that bat from the left side. He said, uh, did you ever think of becoming a switch hitter? Hmm. You know, in baseball, if you're a switch hitter, if it's a right-handed pitcher, you get on the left side. Right. And if it's a left-handed pitcher, you get on the right side. And and when you do that, you have an advantage because the curveball never gets behind you. Oh. It's always out in front. It's in front. So he said, do you ever think of hitting, being a switch hitter, hitting left hand? I said, no. He said, well, you got nothing to lose. He said, you're on a, an eight-and-a-half-year slump on the, on the, on the right side. <laughs> my, that's my entire minor league career now. Yeah. I can run and throw and field, and, and, I, and I got gold gloves, the best fielding shortstop in the league and all, but my hitting, that Uncle Charlie, you know, 
So I said, no. He said, well, come out tomorrow, and I'm going to throw to you. If you can learn to hit from the left side, he said, and be a switch hitter, that ball never gets behind you, or you you can go to the big leagues. Wow. I said, I can. He said, yes. So I, he threw to me. I went out the next day, and he threw to me, and then the next day he threw to me, and the next day. Nobody's there but us. So I wanted to... Um, so I wanted to, to go before we left town. I wanted to say, Bobby, can I go and be switching to the night? He said, no, wait until we go on a road trip. He said, I, I don't want you to be embarrassed in front of the hometown fans. So we went to Sacramento to play, and he came up to me before the game and said, they have a right-handed pitcher going, so you are now switch at more. You go up there left-handed. I said, I can. <laughs> he said, yes. <laughs> so I went up there, left-handed, and wham, I got a hit. Stole second, stole third, and scored a run. Wow. And I came into the dugout, and my teammates looked at me and said, where'd it go, Will? I've <laughs> seen that before. <laughs> so I got up the second time, um, and... I started thinking, which is something you should never do when you get in the batter's box. Mm. I started thinking, oh, this guy's mad at me now, this pitcher. They don't like for you to steal bases against him. Uh, he's going to probably stick one in my ear or throw it behind my head. See, I shouldn't be thinking about that. About that time, here comes a fastball right down the middle of the plate. <laughs> Wham, I got another hit. Stole second, stole third, scored another run. And my teammates got up off the bench. And came down, shook my hand, said, where'd it go, Will? I'm beginning to feel like a baseball player again. Maybe my dream came back. I said, maybe I can go to Brooklyn and be with Jackie. And would you believe that in second year, um, we were playing in Spokane, and the Dodgers gave me the option of going up higher classification or going back to Spokane. And I said, I want to go back with Bobby. <laughs> so I went back to Spokane. And uh, on uh, sometime in June, uh, the Dodgers were were the second year in Los Angeles from Brooklyn. Right. And they um, they were fighting for the pennant, surprising everybody. But uh, their shortstop, Don Zimmer, got his toe broken. And so they so. They were looking around the league to trade for a shortstop to replace Zimmer, Don Zimmer. So um, Zimmer was was all uh, groomed to take Pee Wee Reese's place. Pee Wee Reese was a Hall of Fame shortstop for the Dodgers. Um, played with Jackie and everything. Um, I don't know if you've heard the name. Yeah, absolutely. Pee Wee Reese. Okay, so now Don Zimmer is taking over for Pee Wee, and Zimmer's not really making it. So, so Bobby Bregan, who put his arms around me, who refused to play with Jackie Robinson because of the color of his skin, came up to me and said, "Maury, he has been. He said I've been talking to the Dodgers. They they're trying to trade around to get a shortstop because Zimmer's not making it, and Pee Wee got his toe broken." He said, um, um, you're going to Brooklyn. I mean, you're going to L.A. tomorrow. By now, they're in L.A., Los Angeles. I said, I am. I'm going to L.A. 
So eight and a half years in the minor leagues with my dream, Man. they finally told me I was going to Brooklyn. Going to, uh, I would join the Dodgers, the big club yeah. in Los Angeles. And we are in Phoenix playing the Phoenix AAA team, the Phoenix Giants. And um, so about 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm going through the lobby. They go to the airport, and I get me a newspaper. You always get a newspaper when you have a good night. Cause I got about three hits the night before. Stole a couple of bases. We won the game. So I'm feeling good by myself. So I got a newspaper, and I, and I got on the plane. Geez, I opened that paper, and there was a quote in the article. I like the way that kid slides. Really? Ty Cobb. Oh, Ty wow. Cobb. Wow. Yeah. Ty Cobb saw me play my last minor league game after eight and a half years. said, I like the way that kid slides. I slid just like Ty Cobb. I, I had never seen Ty Cobb slide. Didn't know how what kind of a slide he had, but I learned that from those old guys on the that played on weekends that all had the half pint of whiskey in their back pockets. Man, oh man! Yeah, isn't that God working in your life? Absolutely. So now, yes. So, so uh, I, I like the way that kid slides, and um, I went on to break Ty Cobb's record. I stole ninety. Let's see. Tychoff stole 90 bases. I don't know. I forgot already. Uh, 90 some bases. I stole 104 in the same amount of games. Uh, that's a nice story. Yeah. Um, we were playing in the St. Louis against the Cardinals. And uh, so uh, the commissioner of baseball called into the clubhouse, the visiting clubhouse, and told. Well, actually, he told them. He told the sports writers who were following us from Los Angeles newspapers that if Maury Wills doesn't break Ty Cobb's record in the same amount of games that Cobb played, they weren't going to recognize it. Mm. And that came up because Roger Maris had broken Babe Ruth's home run record the year before, 1961. Oh, yeah, 61, that's right. So the big stink about it. So, so, the, so the, 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 the National League uh, president said if Moyer Wilson doesn't break it in the same amount of games, they're not going to recognize it. So one of the coaches, sports writers, came up and told me, and I said, well, okay. I said, uh, I wouldn't feel too happy about it, but I couldn't let anybody know I would. didn't feel too happy. I just said, okay, well, how many stolen business does Cobb have? Did he have? They said he had 90, I think it was 92, I'm not sure. A 92. I said, 92? He said, yeah. He said, um, and how many games did he play in? And he said, he played in a, a 152-game schedule. Mm-hmm. I said, 152 games? Okay. 97. Huh? Well, how many stone bases do I have? He said, you have 96. <laughs> 96, huh? Damn. Oh, um, and how many games did Carl play in 162? I said, okay, well, how many? And, and he said, you're not going to recognize it unless I play in the same amount of games. He said, yeah. I said, well, how many games have I played in? He said, you played in 161. I said, what? <laughs> you mean I got one game, I got to get two, one to tie and one to break? He said, yeah. I said, why didn't the commissioner tell me this a week ago? I could have had 10 more by now. There were times when I had two or three in the game and I backed off because 
I didn't want to show anybody up. Yeah. Um, you create adversaries that way. So um, I said, okay, who's who's pitching tomorrow for the Cardinals? They said, Kurt Simmons. Kurt Simmons was a left-hander. And Kurt Simmons was, I, I can say now because I don't think Kurt would be listening. Kurt Simmons was probably, if not the easiest for me, it was one of the easiest for me to steal off of. And I could get my hits off of him. Huh. I said, oh, Kurt Simmons. I said, yeah, okay. So I came out the next day early, got in the whirlpool, and got rubbed down by the trainer, got all ready, did my pregame workout. And then one of my teammates came running in the clubhouse about two minutes before the game was going to start. I said, Maury, Maury, Maury. I said, what? She said, Chris Simmons is not going to pitch. He got hurt. I said, what? But Chris Simmons didn't get hurt. He, he just backed off. Um, I said, well, who was pitching for them? He said, Larry Jackson. And Larry Jackson was one of the toughest in the league. He was a right-hander. Oh. So I knew right away that they, they, they talked about that. Said, let me have the ball. I get that little so and so. You're not going to break the record off of you, Kurt. So, um, Larry Jackson was, was not only the toughest for me to steal off of, he was the toughest for me to get on base against. Really? Yeah. So, when the writer told me um, Larry Jackson was pitching, I said, Larry Jackson, gee, why didn't the commissioner tell me this a week ago? <laughs> And the commissioner said, if I don't break it in the same amount of games that Carl played, they weren't going to recognize it. Because there was some controversy with Roger Maris and Babe Ruth's home run record. Right. It wasn't the same amount of games that Babe Ruth played in. So I said, gee, why didn't you tell me this a week ago? I had 10 more. Okay. For some reason, though, Keith, I just had that good, warm feeling that I was going to get those two bases anyway, one to tie and one to break. I don't know where the feeling came from, how it came, but it was there. And I, of course, later in life, I realized I was God working in my life. And uh, so all the, 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 it was a capacity crowd at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Um, and they were all cheering Maury. When Larry Jackson got two strikes on me, the hometown fans were booing him. <laughs> <laughs> and then I scratched out a hit and I got on first base and Larry Jackson threw over there 15 consecutive times to wow. pick me off. Wow. Bill White, who later became the National League umpire, uh, uh, president, they used to have two leagues, two presidents, American League president and National League president. And Bill White was one at one time. So anyway, Bill White was a first baseman, a good ball player, too. He was beating me with that, you know, and, and the stealing of base, Keith. Yeah. You, you get your maximum lead on the 10 pickoff, you have to go back head first. If I can go back feet first, that means I can take another step off. So I always had my maximum lead, so I had to go back head first. And Bill White was wearing me out with that big first baseman hitting me all over the head and the face and everything on a 10th tag. And I remember complaining to him, hey, you don't have to hit me so hard. He said, well, keep, keep, keep close to the base. <laughs> <laughs> so 
eventually Jackson went home, and the fans were cheering, go, Maury, go. And I stole the base to tie. Wow. And, uh, but, so, but now, just the tie is nothing. The breaker is the thing. So the next time up, Larry Jackson got me out. So now, and the, and the Cardinals are winning the game, so I get up for the last time. I know I'm not going to get up again. And I scratched out a hit. And I'm on first base, and I'm tied to a tie cob. And then, then now that all the fans, capacity crowd, I'd say about 30,000 in Bush Stadium, including the bleachers, were standing, cheering, go, go, go. And uh, Larry Jackson threw over there 15, at least 15 consecutive times. <laughs> and, the, and the first, and, 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 all of, and, and, and all of the steal the base, I, I had learned that I, I should have my maximum lead. Yeah. the pitcher. And uh, and so if I had my maximum lead on an attempt pickoff, I had to go back hit first to be safe. Right. Which I did. And Bill White was wearing me out all over my head, my ears, my neck <laughs> with that big first baseman's mitt on the tag. And I remember saying, hey, brother, because he's a black player. And I said, hey, brother, don't tag me so hard. He said, well, keep, keep, keep close to the base. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> So, uh, so uh, having read Ty Cobb's book, uh, Cobb explained that he, at times he made a delay steal. Delay steal is, well, the regular steal is when the pitcher's in the stretch position and the first move he makes to go home, you take off. Mm-hmm. But delay steal is when the pitcher is in the stretch position and he goes home, you just shuffle off like you're not going anywhere. Because... Before you cross over and you're just shuffling off, the shortstops were looking at you, second baseman was looking at you, and the catcher's looking at you. Right. And if you break right away, they all go into motion. If you don't break right away, they relax and watch the flight of the ball. <laughs> just because before the ball's hit. And that's when I take off and all eyes are focused on the flight of the ball coming in. And now uh, they have to... Um, double pump, you know, the catcher to throw, and the second baseman's not at the bag, shortstop's not at the bag, depending on who was scheduled to, to cover it. And and so, and it's the only time I can remember going in head first, because when I go head first, I pick up a step. Yeah. And uh, and then the catcher got the ball, he's ready to throw, but there's nobody at second base because. They didn't see me break right away. Right. They all and the catcher right. does not like to throw to an unoccupied base. So he's got to throw the ball where he thinks the shortstop of the second baseman is going to be and then hope that one of them will get there in time. And he did that, and the ball went in the center field. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I slid in hit first, and I just stayed there. I broke the record. I hugged the ground, and I hugged the bag, rather. And the, and the ground crew came out, took the bag out of the ground, and gave it to me. And I still have it today. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, now, I, I didn't mean to make a short story long, but 
I didn't fill it in for you. <laughs> it's it's amazing, Maureen. I would love to be able to just chat with you. Uh, there's so many different stories that I wanted to get to. And we're not going to get to tonight, but I did have one one quick question for you. You know, when you got to the majors, um, and you were such a prolific base stealer, did you kind of have free reign? Uh, did your managers just let you go when you thought you had you you saw something or? Or were those a lot of the times were those called uh, situations? Well, when I first got there, I had to wait like everybody else for a sign. Yeah. But but during my second season, my manager Walter Austin, who was a fine man, the late Walter Austin, noticed that I had a special skill, which was speed and the knack for and not of being not you can't be afraid if you're gonna be a base stealer. Right. You can't be afraid to get ticked off. Uh, so you have to get off that bag. And you can't be afraid of being thrown out by the catcher. So he, so he, he realized I had this knack of not being afraid. So he put me on my own. And so my second year in the major leagues, I led, I led the league and I stole 60 bases and they took the bag out of the ground and gave it to me. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, I stole 104. Wow. But I led the league, I think it was six or seven consecutive years in stolen bases. Amazing, amazing. And one of the keys is it, it's not that difficult. You know, it's embarrassing if you get thrown out or picked off. And, and so many baseball players are, you got 60,000 fans in the stands. You don't want to be embarrassed trying to steal a base, getting tagged out. Or you don't want to be embarrassed getting picked off by right. being so far off the base. But I had I had overcome that, uh, and I studied pitchers. I knew pitchers so well. I knew how they liked their coffee. <laughs> I did. I really studied pitchers, and, and Ty Cobb's book helped me a lot. And I spiked a few. Cobb <laughs> said he never spiked a man who didn't have it coming. I, I really liked that. <laughs> I think I spiked just as many as Cobb. <laughs> but, but the only difference in Ty Cobb and myself was that Cobb was willing to fight after he spiked somebody because he was like 6'2 and 195 pounds. I was just a little guy out there. I would apologize. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd go to the dugout wall and scratch him off. <laughs> And my teammates said, well, what's that for, Maury? I remember a few times, and I said, well, that guy hit me in the ribs a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a long memory in that game, don't you? <laughs> got to have a long memory, absolutely. Maury, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I, hopefully you'll come back, because there, there, there's just so much more to talk about with you. And, and But I really appreciate the time that you took to, tonight and, and uh, to let our listeners hear you know, some, some history and hear a little bit about you and and I'm doggone it. I, I, hope, I hope they vote you into the Hall of Fame soon because you definitely deserve to be there. Thanks, G. That's very nice of you. I hope I didn't take up all the time. I guess I did, though, didn't I? <laughs> it was good. And, and, and AD, AD is waiting, and, uh, you know, we'll get him on the phone here in a minute. But, uh, hey, the, okay. great, the, great, the great Maury Wills comes first. <laughs> Tell Anthony hi for me, will you? I sure will. Thank you so much. You have a great one. Okay. My pleasure. Bye. Bye-bye. Maury Wills, everybody. Uh, what such a pleasure to have a chance to chat with him. I, I watched him play baseball when I was a kid, and and uh, seen him a part of the Dodger organization for years. And 
just a, an amazing athlete, an amazing man, he, and he's, he's, he's lived a full life, and I'd love to get in deeper with him, and hopefully we can get him back on here again in the future and have a chance to chat with him. You're listening to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break and get Anthony Davis on the line, and uh, we'll be right back after this. call this the legend show we went from maury wills to our five-time national champion two-time all-american out of usc star anthony davis how you doing ad well you might as well call the swoops world legends 
Yeah, we just had a good chat with Maury, man. He's uh, God, he's lived a life, and we 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 barely we barely scratched the surface, man. But uh, well, that's the great Maury Wills. Absolutely. And what appalls me is this man's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Absolutely. I don't get it. I don't this, either. This, I mean, he, you know, Ricky Henderson broke his record, but and, and there's Lou Brock, but man, he's the he's the godfather of base stealing, running. And was part of those two world champs with the Dodgers. I don't know. And and, and if I was, if I'm the Dodger organization, I don't know if this is 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 possible and unethical. They need to be pushing for this man to be in the Hall of Fame. Shame on the doctor, the, the Dodgers. I mean, you know, that's unbelievable. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely. No question. You know, I was looking at his stats while we were while we were talking, and then it's just, I mean. You know, he, he he was an all-star a, a number of times. Uh, he, you know, National League leader at bats two seasons. Uh, led, right. led, led in triples, led in stolen bases. He led to stolen bases five, five consecutive years. You know, leader in singles. Uh, something like about it looks like uh, three, five, five years there. Number a leader in sacrifice hits. And the Dodgers all-time career stolen base leader with four hundred ninety-eight. Guy's just an amazing, amazing ball player and. You think? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. If they they should be uh, they should be rallying around him and, and and seeing what they can do about that. Well, that's what I think. You know, I think you know, that that just baffles me. The fact that here's a man is a legend. You know, L.A. and what he went through, and Jim Crow, and you think about the great, you know, uh, Don Newcomb and Jackie Robinson, and and uh, and all the players at the time, and all the stuff he had, they had to deal with on top of it. But the fact is, just on that alone, and what he's accomplished as an athlete, as a person off the field, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Wow. I mean, I don't know what some, some of these people think about, you know, but, you know, who am I? You know, I'm another guy that's sitting around, you know, who always wonders about certain things and how certain people are treated. But, hey, Maury, if you're listening to me, this is A.D. Beat your son in the College World Series for the national champion. <laughs> but, but, but here it is. You know, you, you put out some great things, and if you listen to this show, you got my vote. Period. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Uh, it, it, it's truly, truly. I, I hope to see it happen. I hope to see, see it happen soon too, because uh, you know we we talked in the past about uh, uh, these things, these awards, these these uh, halls of halls of fame, and uh, you know a lot of the truly, truly, a lot, most of the people there are, are deserving. But sometimes you you say, how how is this guy in there and that guy's not? You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense sometimes. That gets me. I don't. I don't get it. But you know, hey, uh, eventually he'll be there. I, 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 he has to. I mean, but eventually he's got to be there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Only time he's been nominated. But come on now, you, you should. The man's in his eighties. This, this, this getting. He deserves it. Absolutely. So I don't know. And, and there's a lot of other people that are deserving of it too. But I don't get who's the, the powers to be. Who's the selection committee? What are they thinking about? Well, you know, uh, not to go too far off the track, but aren't a lot of these guys voting on I know a lot of uh, their members and stuff like but it seems like a lot of sports writers have a, have a lot of clout for a lot of these different things. <laughs> well, some of these guys, I mean, some of these guys, they should just have pure baseball people. Pure baseball people who played the game yeah. voting for these guys. That's what they should do. They should have people that vote, that played, actually played the game, was in the wars, who really understands what it takes to sacrifice to become a great player and all the hard Let them do the voting, okay? And then, and then, if, and then, then also, if you have the writers also that want to vote, let them vote. You have 
but the heart of the voting should be with former players and guys who played the game. Yeah. That's what I believe. And that should be in with all sports. Right. You know, so I, I don't got on. I mean, that's my thing. Some people might think, you know, that's ludicrous. That's not going to happen. Well, hey, it makes sense to me. And I'm sure people listening to me think that makes sense, too. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, 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 and speaking of people who make decisions and, and, and question how some of those decisions are made, uh, what do you think about the college football rankings? Oh, let's only get started on that one. <laughs> you know I had to get I mean, there. <laughs> a, I mean, but, you know, it's insane. I mean, let me lay some scenarios to everyone. Okay. You got the top 25. Okay. You got the top 10. You got the top 15. Okay. You got, was that, was that Western Michigan? Or, or, or they're, they're, the only, they're the only undefeated team in the top 15. Uh, Alabama, okay. Alabama. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's on Alabama. I mean, outside of Alabama is what yeah. I mean. It's Wash- okay. Yeah, it's Western Michigan. Western Michigan oh, is number, West, West, number West, fifteen. Okay. Western Michigan. Okay, number one. Western Michigan and Alabama undefeated teams. Yep. Based on based on the rankings, no team should have hopped over Michigan. Okay, they should have never hopped over them. I mean, even my team USC. Even with the three losses, should have never hopped over them. I mean, if you're gonna look at it all straight up, straight up, yeah. they shouldn't even done that. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, Michigan should have moved, regardless of what conference is in. It doesn't matter if you think at weak conferences, weakness of schedule, strength of schedule. Hey, those guys deserve to go up. Okay. Now, the other scenario is messed up. Now they're playing in the Cotton Bowl. Okay, that's great. Okay, but here's the other here's the other scenario. Here you got Ohio State. It's ranked number two now behind Alabama. Uh, and here you got the Penn poll, State. The poll, the poll I'm looking at has them at number three behind Clemson. Well, two, three. That, yeah, yeah. It, okay, one, it, it doesn't matter. They're still ahead of Penn State. <laughs> well, ahead of Penn State. Penn State beat them head up in the conference champion, and they're going to the Rose Bowl, and they're not even paying for the national championship or even close to it. Yeah. Okay, so and here's another scenario. Here you got Washington, who got beat by SC. I mean, decisively got beat by USC. Okay? And then you got, you were talking about Louisville early on, that they're going to be this and that, but they're not even in it anymore. So you got, oh, you got Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Washington. Mm-hmm. And my, my feeling is the committee did not want two teams in the same conference in the playoffs. They don't want to have to what happened a few years ago with the BCS, where I think it was LSU and Alabama playing for the national championship. People thought that was whacked out. Right. From the same conference. So you got you got the SEC, the ACC, you got the Big Ten, you got the Pac-12. Right. That's what they really want to see. Right. Okay. Now, you got Penn State coming to the USC. Now, in all reality, Colorado – Based on the system, and I'm not knocking SC because SC is my school, but Colorado should be playing Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Or, frankly, or either Colorado should be playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And Penn State should be in the national championship hunt. I'm just talking about those two scenarios, the granddaddy of them all, that. And everything else is all whacked out. I mean, and so my, my proposal to the committee and everyone else, I know it's you guys will think I'm crazy, but most people will agree with me listening. This should be a full-fledged playoff system. I'm going to keep saying it. 
full-fledged stuff. They said, well, the kids got finals. Hey, wait a minute. Start the stuff. Started in late August. Go through the season. Finish the season. Seat them up. Conference to conference. Don't have no 21-day layoff, no 30-day layoff, because that's hard on the team. And go through it. Keep everything in place. Go through the bowl system. And then what comes out of there is the national championship playoff or the national championship game. That's, that, that makes sense to me. And you don't have to worry about the conflict with school. And everything. Just start the season earlier. Because some schools do it anyway. Just start it August 20th or something. Come on. Okay, you know, you know, you know I mean, you can do it that way. I mean, that's two weeks right there. But, uh, so by the by time, time you get to September, you're into, you're into the third week of the game, third week of the season. Yeah. You're off and rolling. And then, and, you know, and then, and then and see, what people don't understand and people don't get in coaches and players understand what I'm talking about. Some teams start off slow, build up. Some teams start off strong, fade out. And then time October, the end of November, December, somebody's going to be strong and somebody's going to be weak. Mm-hmm. That's the human element. Don't have a committee talking about, well, you know, strength of schedule and the weakness of schedule and, and, and the style points and, and all this kind of stuff. And, oh, so-and-so only beat so-and-so by 10 points. You know, win's a win. I don't care if it's 45 or nothing or 45-40. A win's a win. Conference a conference. You know, like, like I've even said, if anybody would have told me that Ohio State's going to get by Penn State during the year, I said, I need some dope to smoke. Well, yeah. guess what happened? <laughs> Penn State beat Ohio State. If somebody was going to say Michigan was going to get beat by Iowa, give me some dope to smoke. But that wasn't going to happen. Well, it happened. Now, if you just told me Oklahoma was going to get beat by Houston, that wasn't going to happen. But look what happened. Yeah. You see, so, and now everybody's going, well, you know, Oklahoma's weak. They had the, the top receiver out. Well, hey, that's part of football. That's part of playing the game. You got to step up. You got to step up like Bill Belichick does, okay? Okay, so what? Brady's out. They still won three or four games. Didn't stop them. <laughs> that's just part of the game. So, they, you know, they talk about all this stuff, you know, and I don't care what anybody, you, you, you know, I'm a former player, okay? I'm a five-time national champ in two sports. Okay, I'm just telling you, and I'm a big advocate of that. And, you know, they don't take note of the fact that, hey, most, most college coaches and ball players want to play up, head up. And any coach, any player says, well, I like to sit, they're full of it because that's not the truth. Right. On any given day, I want my boys to strap up their helmet and strap my guys' helmets up and go at it and see who can win. Now, you know, now you know Michigan is thinking, you know something, we're undefeated like Alabama. Wouldn't it be okay for us to have a shot at them or, or a shot in the playoffs? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Wouldn't it be something we beat? I mean, I know that's going through everybody's mind. Hey, how how would we really do against them? Will we get? Will we be close? Can we beat them, or will we get blown out? You know, those elements are going through everybody's mind. You got to know that Penn State, that beat Ohio State, whatever the reasons were, you know that thing. You know something? We should be in the national championship hunt. We're going to the Rose Bowl. That's a secondary bowl for them. Yeah. They, I mean, they have more. They have more to be grouchy about than anybody. Frankly, as far as I'm concerned, of all the teams in the top ten, those those guys should be playing for the national championship run. I'm just telling it the way it is. Well, yeah, they they they, I okay. mean, they they played they played in their their conference championship. <laughs> they should be playing for it. <laughs> they should be in the top four. That's I mean, that that that's what doesn't make sense. You know, everybody can talk about all this scenario about. 
well, you know, strength of schedule and this and that, and they didn't have the, the you know, the, 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 you know, the, the style points and this and whatever they're thinking of, whatever their biases are and the bias attitudes of what they think about who should be in and who should not be in there. Hey, look, on an even plane, on a neutral field, player to player, coach to coach, strategy to strategy, you need to see who's going to win that game. Anything can happen. Now, let's look at this scenario. Let's say if Alabama plays Washington and Washington beats Alabama, or either Alabama struggles to beat Washington. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, they haven't seen a team like Washington. You know, he's a, he's a stationary quarterback. He's very accurate. Okay, okay, whoopie do. In the day, if they play close and play hard and beat Alabama or vice versa, Alabama's got to decisively beat Washington. It can't be a close game because they were going to start questioning, hmm, wow, is Alabama really that good? <laughs> but it shouldn't be that way. Say, so, well, Alabama won to their best team. But that's not how people are going to think. If it's a close game, that's not how people are going to think. Right. So anybody's going to say, well, well, if, if, if SC could have played uh, Alabama, SC probably could beat them the second time and meet them around. Oh, yeah, this is a different SC team than getting in that first game of the season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean – so, so if it's another FC team, and everybody, everybody's going to start. If, if, if the playoffs doesn't go the way people project it's going to go, you, it's going to be all kind of questions kicking up. You're going to have some pissed-off coaches. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you that. I mean, they won't say it publicly, but I'm going to say it for you guys. You guys are going to be upset. You're not going you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to be politically correct in what I'm saying. I don't play the game anymore. I mean, I don't care what you people think about what I say or not. Period. Everybody knows that anyway. I say what I want to say. And the bottom line is the situation with the playoffs needs to be changed. And I can tell you, a major, a major person, a major company out there, shoe company, I'm going to say you can figure out who it is, they want to do a whole full-fledged playoff system. Yeah. That's what they want to see. That's what they want to see. I think that's what everybody wants to see. It, it eliminates all these questions. It eliminates all these, why is a team that's 13-0 sitting at number 15? Why are there... Uh, there's a you know a team that has four losses ahead of them, a bunch of teams with three losses ahead of them. You know uh, they, they should be they should be up at the top, right next to Alabama. You know and uh, and and you eliminate all of that when you have a full pledge fledged playoffs. I mean you look at any sport. You know anybody can talk about oh you know we we were one game away from the Super Bowl or we were one play away from the Super Bowl. Well you didn't win the game, so you, you know that's it. But it, it has nothing to do with your. Uh, Somebody, somebody arbitrarily putting you in a position to make it to that Super Bowl. So, I think See, that's like you know, it's just, that's that, that's 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 just like the, the England Patriots, you know, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers and not going to the next playoff. <laughs> that's how I look at it. You beat you you, you beat Wisconsin for the Big Ten championship and you're not in the playoff. Run? What, are you, what what are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> Now you gotta know, you gotta know that the Penn State people said, "Wait a minute, now, this was, wait a minute, wait, we beat we beat Ohio State. They're ranked number three, and we ain't even in the top five. And we got to go out and play a nine-three SC team. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, and, and then they beat, and then they beat Washington. But the way the thing is set up with why they got beat was, you know, hey, SC didn't beat the right team in the conference. That's what happened to SC. And so SC, and the thing is about it, I love that SC's going to the Rose Bowl, but I don't like the scenario how they got to the Rose Bowl 
because they had to be they had to be dictated based on what other teams did, based on where they went to go to play. Now, yeah. See, so in other words, if if in other words, if Utah would have beat Colorado, I don't know what would have happened. Why do some of these teams play more games than others? SC played well, twelve games, and it looks like Penn State played thirteen games. Yeah, and Colorado. How's Colorado played thirteen games? They're in the same conference. SC, they don't show SC with another game until until Penn State. How did Colorado play? Well, ah, this is weird. Well, well, no, it's very confusing. I mean, a lot of people understand why they how they select all these people. I mean, yeah. I mean, all the spots, the whole the whole top twenty is 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 wacky. Just in the rankings. I mean, just rank these teams. Just like I say, you can you can end all like you said. You can end all this stuff up by six. For example, I don't care if the pack if the champion of the Pac ten the Pac twelve was eight and four, and they're the champion, they should be the champion. If they got to play a team that's undefeated in another conference, that's the way it is. Yeah. That eight and four team can beat that tw- that that twelve and zero team on any given day. Absolutely. So I mean, that's what you have to do, regardless of what you like it or not. And if you don't like it because you know the scheduling because of school and all that kind of stuff, well, fix it. You can fix it. You know, football, look, college football today is a big major money sport. They can figure it out. If they want to make these dollars, they can figure it out. Well, we, we, we've been talking about this for a number of years, and, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. They made some changes, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're getting any closer to, to doing what they need to do. Okay, it's only one team in the top ten got that's undefeated. Everybody's got one, two, and three. Yep. Then you got on the bottom fifteen. You got another team that's undefeated. Yep. <laughs> that should be in the top ten. And, and, there, and then you have people that had two losses that jumping them. You got, I don't uh, care. I don't care if it's. I don't care if it's a Sally Sue league. You, you, you go. You can. They deserve to be up there. They have. Let them figure it out. Auburn ahead of them with an eight and four record. Uh, Auburn's number fourteen. Western Michigan's number fifteen. That's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. So in other words, so in other words, the number four team or whatever in, in, in the SEC can 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 wipe the floor with Michigan. <laughs> so that's basically what they're saying. Okay, if he's third, they're third, you know, but you know they they still suck. That that, that record's not legit. Yeah. that's what they're saying to this program. Oh, absolutely. Well, let them find out if they're legit or not by seeding them up. Just seed them up. That's what you need. If you want to have a wild card, you can seed them up and find out. Strap it up, go in the park, wherever it is, and you find out who's the best on that given deck. Yeah. That's how everybody else is. You can't have a committee of people picking who they figure that's out doing that. You got to figure it out. Four teams ain't going to do it. Eight teams not going to do it. You got to have conference to conference playoff. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. And it just makes so much more sense. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. And then you got all these other little crazy bowls you want to sit around, like the the hoop, the, the hoopty hoop bowl and, and 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 the wacky wacky bowl, and you can have all those things going and, and get paid, and, and school can still the programs can get money. But to really have a full fledged playoff, that you a legitimate championship, you got to have a full fledged playoff system. Hey, you know this is not a beauty pageant. This is true competition. Well, you know I don't like the way the team looks. Well, I don't like the way the guy ran his offense. I don't like the way the team. Oh, and the schedule was too weak, and this and this and blah 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 blah. And SEC is stronger than the Pac-12, and 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 the Big Ten is stronger than the SEC. And their their winning loss records, well, I don't know about that. 
you know, you know, the weakness of schedule, the strength of schedule. I mean, forget all of that. Throw that away. You know what? It's, it's like you you said many a time. You know, on any given Saturday, somebody can strap it up and beat somebody. So you might, regardless of the strength of schedule and whatnot, if you win your conference, you break them down to, like you said, playoffs based on conference leaders first. You know, for top two teams or whatever, and and and, and knock it on down. It'll 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 work itself out, and then you don't have these questions about why is it, why is Western Michigan in thirteen and zero sitting at number fifteen, Auburn's eight and four sitting at fourteen, and these other things in the, in between. It, it makes it it just figures it all it figures it itself out just by playing the game, and whoever wins moves on. Yeah, the bottom line, you know, some frankly, you can have you can have the top two. You, one year they're gonna have I predict. That one one of these years they're going to have ten teams with two or three losses in the top ten. You watch and see. And how do you deal with that scenario? Uh, yeah. So I'm just saying. So so you're looking at you look you're looking at a thirteen two thirteen year old team a thirteen old teams in the top fifteen. And even if you wanted to do a playoff situation, have the conference seed and seed. And if you want to make that other team the other thirteen that thirteen old team a wild card. Or some other wild card, do it that way. I mean, you can do you can do a lot of different scenarios, but you can work it out. You can work this out about, and then you worry about classes. And you know, Bob Stupid Oklahoma was talking about. Well, I sort of like the fact the format. So well, you don't like you don't you stop lying. You not you don't like that format. <laughs> you know, just just what you what you need to do. What you need to do is start in, in August. And then you had, you know, and then and then you go from there. Then you can eliminate all this stuff. You have a, a, a problem with classes, you know. You, you know, training camp. I, I don't buy into that because there are other sports they're they're playing uh, during during finals. I believe the final, the final four. Uh, there's 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 finals going on that time of year. So. Well, that was that that was stu- that was stupid scenario. I mean, yeah. I, I just said, look, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm the same thing. There's other sports that, that have the same situation too. Look at the Final Four. Look at that basketball stuff. Are you kidding me? Yeah. With them kids running them down that court and stuff about study time and stuff. Yeah. I mean, come on. Endurance reason those guys should be blown out. <laughs> the way they travel and stuff, playing is these baseball and stuff. And the thing about football and stuff, the thing that I've always said, you know, it's tough to lay a team off for almost a month. And you have them getting that. That's a, that takes a hell of a coaching job to keep everybody focused, keep the guys in shape, football shape. You can go through the motions, but you got to stay in football shape. Guys gain weight. Some guys are not focused. These kids are young. These are young guys, young yeah. kids. They I'm, can't stay focused like the pros. And even the pros sometimes, in the long wait off for the Super Bowl, you know, they get laid off. There's a few coaches. There's only a few coaches I know that I've seen in, in the recent past, your Cleveland and professionally, to keep their team as focused. They are. It's Pete Carroll, Urban Myers. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick yeah. in the pros. Those are coach, those coaches right there can keep their teams focused. Then I will throw Jim Harburg in there too. Yeah, There's no. only two coaches that can keep their teams focused. That long layoff is is, is a detriment to, a, to, the, to the program. That's why you got to stay consistent, you know, and stuff, and stuff like that. And you, as soon as the season's over, get right in that playoff. If you want to take a week off, do it. And get ready. Get going. Not twenty to thirty days. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at this thing there now. Well, half these teams don't play again till the thirty first or the second of January. Uh, you know, it's 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 a long layoff. It's a long. Yeah, it's a long layoff. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, it, it just just get it done. Yeah. You know, just travel somewhere. You guys have a neutral spot. Boom, play it. Neutral spot, play it. And then you get it. You get it all ready. And then they. Then they. Then you got the bowls coming in there. 
Yeah. You, you know, the, the, if you want to have a serious, nice playoff and stuff, have them in the nice bowl games, the Cotton, the Festival, the Rose Bowl, the Orange, the Sugar. All that, you, you can do all that stuff and still have the revenue, have the money, have the excitement. All the, and your advertisers be happy. And the, the teams will travel well. You know, that's that's what that's what they want. Right. You know, have a neutral site. And then every 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 year you designate a, a nice place to have the national championship game. Exactly, exactly. And get rid of some of these other bowls that didn't, with all the empty seats that nobody cares about. No. Yeah. You got to play a softball game or something. Them things. What was that one we saw last year? Bahamas or something? There was nobody in the stands. And... <laughs> crazy. I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, the cameras didn't want to go up in the stands look at the stands because they kept the focus on the field because they didn't want to see all the empty I know what they were doing. <laughs> and everybody else knew what they were doing. Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, let's 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 let's. I wanted to talk to you about this, man. Uh, this week, uh, you you've said so much about how well these guys have been working together all these years, but uh, Tom Brady just became the winningest quarterback in uh, NFL history this this past week. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit, man. Well, like I've said, you know, Tom Brady should get on the ground and count his blessings every time he snaps the ball. He should think what he should make Mr. Kraft, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick. For click, selecting him in that draft. I don't care if it was 199, six round check. Hey, those guys believed in him. They drafted him. Nobody thought he was going to be anything. And for him to go from there to being the leading passer of, in, in that category, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Take your hat off to him. Take your hat off to that New England Patriot organization. Do I think is the best in football. Hey, all you NFL coaches, take note. And owners, take note to the New England Patriots. I don't care what you think about them or feel about them. Hey, they had the greatest quarterback based on what he's done. In, in, in NFL history, okay, and said, you guys all rejected him, said he couldn't play, couldn't do this, but there's one guy who said Tom Brady can play. Did he think he was going to be move up that fast after Bledsoe got hurt? No, nobody thought that how he got to begin the injury, but when he stepped in, he was he was hats off. Yeah. And he's been doing it for 13 years. So and everybody said, well, he's not mobile. But guess what? From the waist up, he, he's an assassin. He'll cut you in half. If you don't believe me, watch him week in, week out. Ask all them defenses that went up against him every week to what he is now. <laughs> There's something about him that, you know, when the stuff gets when the tough gets going, he's tougher than the rest of them. Man. You know, it, it, you're right. I mean, it's, there's certain guys I just love watching them play, uh, whether I like their team or not or whatever. Uh, just as a fan of the sport. And... Well, you know, we know, you know, it's really something about the, the about Belichick and, and Brady. Hey, if you do this, I'm gonna do this and some more. And if you try to do it the other way, I'm gonna do it, reverse it, and do it back to you some more. That's what they do. Oh, so and so and so goes down. Well, I got a couple guys who's going to step in. Maybe he ain't gonna be the guy that I. But I'm gonna make. I'm gonna get them to play, to the point where they can play and do well to the point where they will be prepared to beat you, even with my top guy being out. Yeah. That's the that's the genius of Belichick. It, 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 if, if it ain't clear this year when, when, when Brady was out four games, if that wasn't clear, you ain't gonna never get it. So so that alone shows show the greatness of Belichick in my eyes. When you when your star quarterback goes down uh, for four games and you and and your backup wins three, I think the only other only other persons or only other teams got that kind of 
record this year is the Cowboys, but uh, it wasn't expect. It definitely wasn't expected. Everybody thought the the the, uh, the Patriots are going to be off to a horrible start this year with those four, right. four game suspension, and then they, and they miss, thought the they, same they thing about beat. the Cowboys too. Yeah, they thought the same. Well, see, the thing that that the Cowboys situation it fell on their lap. You know, it it, it, it fell on Jason Garrett. And, and Jerry Jones left. They didn't expect Dak Prescott to do what he did, and they didn't expect – they knew Ezekiel Elliott was a good back. They didn't expect him to do that with the combination. That fell on their lap. Right. They said – you know, they didn't expect him to do even what Roman with that. They were probably saying, oh, man, Jesus, what a – it's going to be a long year. <laughs> well, guess what? It ain't no long year, okay? Because now this man has showed, hey, if, what they've done, and, and if anything goes wrong, everybody's going to say, well, hey, it ain't, it ain't Prescott. And, 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 and Elliot, they've already proven what they can do. So now it's all going to be on the organization because those guys were what eleven and one. Hello, <laughs> You're eleven and one. <laughs> Nobody thought they win, and everybody thought the fact when Roma went down that the Redskins was going to win the, be the East. Yeah. Well, guess what? They blew the Redskins out too. So I'm just saying, you know, it, 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 it all depends on organization how they put the pieces together. And obviously they fell and they got the great pieces with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Those guys are working together. Now, 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 if, now they need to build on that because the same scenario happened with, with Dak happened with Tom Brady. Same scenario. Guy gets hurt, the top guy. They step in and look what they do. Yeah. And the thing on them between uh, Prescott and Brady is that Brady went on to the Super Bowl and won it. That was a, so that, that was that, a year. That was a year. Of the infamous tuck, I believe. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, whatever. You know, that's that football and whatever. That, that, that's a Raider. That's a Raider conspiracy. <laughs> we're never gonna get. I'm, we're never gonna get over that, man. It was. It was a fun. Yeah, I know. I get it. I understand. So, so I'm. So, so I mean, so basically, the two scenarios are similar. Yeah, that's what it is. Absolutely. It's very. It's very similar. So. Let's see what happens. Let's see what that plays out in the AFC and the NFC. But all I'm saying, is if, if 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 the Cowboys don't do anything else, they found their quarterback and their combination, and their pieces. Oh yeah, they found. It. Now they now regardless of what happens, they have to build on that from here on out. And in, in my opinion, in my football opinion, it ain't Prescott, it ain't Elliott. Now it's up to the organization overall to keep those guys going where they are. Yeah, because they've already proven that with the right pieces, they're gonna beat you. They've already proven this year, and they, and they, and they continue they continue to do it. So it's it's, it's going to be see, great to see how this how this pans out. One of the things right. you mentioned earlier, you said you know some teams start off hot and fizzle out, some teams start off slow, and 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 then get get rolling. Uh, the Seahawks, man, the last the last few games, they've just. I know that uh, uh, Wilson was hurt earlier in the year, but. Uh, He's firing on all cylinders, and they're looking like the team to beat now. Well, well, first with Seattle and stuff, you know, you're right because when when uh, we're also is not mobile, and he can't add living back and break containment. Uh, that's the strength of his offense, and the fact that he's like you say on full cylinders now, and they they spent, they pretty much found a replacement for uh, Marshall Lynch. I don't think he really fully replaced him because he was a beast. <laughs> yeah. So the bottom line is. They they've found it and, and they're and they're running all eight centers and yeah and that's a dangerous team in the NFC. So as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, that's going to be the team that Dallas is going to have to overcome in the playoffs because yeah. as you know, the Cowboys are 
solidified in the playoffs, and they're going to they, they gonna have home field advantage. So, But as far as I'm saying, the two teams in the, in the NFC for me is Seattle and Dallas. I think that's going to be the NFC championship game. I could be wrong, but the way it's looking, it looks like those two are going to be NFC championship unless the Packers sneak in there some kind of way and, uh, and, and, and you know, Detroit sneaks in there. But I, don't, I don't think so, but, but those are the two top teams in the NFC for me. Yeah. Well, I think I think the the the, the one thing is uh, who got hurt. Earl Thomas was it? Earl Thomas got hurt last game, and he's out for the season. Uh, right. And so that 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 is the one thing that they're going to have to overcome. Uh, well, because that you know he's the, he's a counter. He's a counter to uh, oh, Sherman. Sherman, yeah. So uh, I I think whoever replaces him, if if they can hold their own. Uh, then they'll, they'll continue to roll on, but it might be that might be the, the weak link in their game from here on out. Well, yeah, I mean you'll find out. You'll find out how smart, how bad that hole is. They got a field, so if if uh, if they if they can't patch that up, well, that could that could be a problem. Yeah, but still, as as of right now, in my opinion, those are the Dallas Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks are the teams in the NFC. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the Raiders? The Raiders are still continuing to roll on, man. It's 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 well, well. I mean, they're the team in the AFC. It's going it, to me. It's going to come down to them and the in the Broncos again. So the Broncos are going to be there, but the Raiders, man. Uh, uh, Del Rio has those guys playing real well. Jack has them playing real well, and Carr's doing well at the quarterback position. So uh, better team to beat in the AFC. Yeah. The AFC <laughs> that part of the AFC. Now the bat, the bottom line is in the AFC is the way it's looking right now is the Patriots still and the whole total AFC. The the, the Steelers are going to be there, and then you're going to have the Oakland Raiders. So uh, those are my three picks. Yeah, the, the Raiders. Are, the the Raiders issue for, the issue for the Raiders with me is they can't keep giving up so many points in the first half and and, and coming from behind. Uh, well, that's that, going to that, haunt them. They, yeah. they they can never do that to a Patriot team. Yeah. You can't do that with a Patriot team. You can't do that with a, a Pittsburgh team. Yeah. Okay? Now, you can get away with everybody else, but those two teams in particular, in my opinion, you can't do that. Especially a Patriot team. They'll kill you. Yeah. You get the, hey, does the Patriot get 10, 15, 20 points up on you? Most likely, you, it's over. You know, so, I mean, they got to play some hell of a defense and do some great offensive play to overcome a, team, a point deficit like that against that kind of a team. So you're right. They can't. You can't do that. I mean, and the fact that they come back is, is a testament that how how strong and how good they've been. But I wouldn't bank all my marbles and keep doing that. What do you, What are your thoughts on uh, the Panthers this year? What I mean, these guys, you know, they they're projected to have a great year. That's the organization. I mean, I don't know what it is. Uh, I think you just coach with the coaching staff. I, and in my opinion, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if Cam Newton is having the issues with the organization wise or, or the offensive coordinator or, or, or the team overall. Who knows? Yeah. And for them, for them for them to come off a Super Bowl MVP year and for them, for him to, to be playing like that, this something's going on internally. I don't. I, I could be wrong. Who knows? Who knows? You can't put a pinpoint on it why they're playing so so bad this year versus last year. And then you know, hey, you got to remember, it's still the NFL. Anybody can beat you too. So, but still, but do you have their record the way it is now? And then having all the controversy about, you know, uh, Revere not starting Cam and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I didn't get that, but I guess he broke a policy. So stuff like that can be detrimental to a team. My whole thing is that something's going on organizational-wise, 
and something's not gelling in that organization. That's all I can say. Yeah, something. I don't know. Something, something seems to be up. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, he went in to see what he 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 missed the first play of the game. I mean, guy threw an interception, but. <laughs> well, well. Uh, but, like I, go ahead. Go ahead. Like I said, you know, you know, we don't. No one really knows why and what's going on with him, and uh, you know. And I wouldn't even speculate. I mean, this, this, you need to know that they're not doing well. Yeah. There's something going on there. Something's wrong. Because how do you go to the Super Bowl to their record? And everybody else is and, – and the Broncos are back right there fighting with, with the new quarterback. Right. So there's something going on internally with that team. You see, so, you know, Cam Newton's one of the what, top five quarterbacks in the league. There's something going on wrong. I mean, I was, he's the same Cam Newton. Yeah. So I don't know – I don't know what it is. I mean, physically he's not – you know, hurt, but he, but he got knocked out. And I think, I think, I think the concussion stuff might have hurt him too, and threw him off. But you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of variables. His injury is, is was was those concussions. I think he's had a couple of them. I don't know. And then there's other there's other controversies with the dress code. I don't know about that. Yeah. So 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 he's so he's been slowed some kind of way. So I think overall, it's the whole organization. It's not one person. You just can't pinpoint it. That's right. my opinion. Yeah. We'll have to see. Well, I know it's not one. It's never just one person, and you know, got to take the organization into account. And we're going to talk about one of your fellow Trojans and one of your fellow uh, Rams. Uh, apparently, uh, Jeff Fisher has a two-year extension that nobody knew about that they finally released. That he signed it in the off-season. Uh, you know, everybody's everybody's you know calling for his head, calling for him to get fired, and then they finally said, "Well, he's got a two-year extension. We signed in the off-season." What were your thoughts when you heard that? Well, first of all, you know, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Eric Dickerson, and uh, and and what went down in the extension. I mean, I don't know about their, you know, uh, Fisher's extension and stuff like that. Uh, I, I just frankly think, well, in the real estate business world, a lot of people says Mr. Crunky is uh, is a developer person and a sports owner second. <laughs> and, you know, he, his his focus on the development. I don't really believe that, but that's you hear all kind of rumors out there about. He's really happy about having been able to develop that 70 acres out there and, and really put a new face on the Inglewood area, which would be good. It'll change the social economics of the area, but, you know, that's what some people say. Some people say, you know, they should announce the, the Jeff Fisher extension. You know, you're coming back with this team. The team is struggling. You know, what is this guy doing? you got two number one draft choices back in the backfield. And, you know, you know what are you doing? You know, how come you didn't start Jeff Goff and this stuff about, you know, well, he's not ready? Hey, look. Any any of these first round picks are not ready. So you so you paying this kid the top pick overall. You put him in with the fire and let him learn on the game. So then you know, and me playing in the league and knowing a lot of guys, he said, you remember Jeff Fisher was a co- coach when when Vince Young came out of school there. So look at that too. So it's a lot of things. And then you know, Eric Dickerson putting his two cents on it. And you know, and Eric Dickerson is qualified to say what he wants to say. And if it's and if it's too hot in the kitchen, get out of it. Well, you know, you know is, I mean, you're not playing well. You're not playing well. Yeah, I you know, in, in in the history, in, in far as I'm concerned, what I understood over the years, and I know AED stuff. He won't say it publicly, but I'll tell him publicly. The Rams didn't treat him right when he was there. Eric Dickerson should have finished with the Rams. Yeah, and all that stuff went on. They'd had a shot at a couple of Super Bowls during the Joe, the Joe Montana era and run. Okay, if he if he'd have kept Jim Everett and Eric Dickerson together with the Rams, no telling where the Rams would have been. And those because that's how great Dickerson was. And you know the the rookies he holds a rookie record, the all time rushing record, and Ed has all the respect for me, and he he can say whatever he wants. 
And if it's true that they don't want they don't want him on the sidelines again, well, that's not right. Give him respect, regardless of what he says. Whether if he says something nice in their opinion or he says something bad in their opinion, yeah, he deserves respect at the end of the day. Well, the Hall of Famer. The interesting thing is, 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 is I find the the, the thing that find really unusual to me, you know, every time somebody gets an extension. It's 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 it comes out early on. You know, we just resigned so and so. We just go on so and get an extension. It used to be called. Uh, it used to be a little section in the back of the sports page for for little uh, things like that. And I find it unusual that uh, ha- halfway through the season or three quarters of the way through the season, the Rams say, "Oh yeah, by the way, we we gave him an extension during the off season." I, 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 I there's something that just doesn't sound right about that. As far as Eric Dickerson, I mean, you know what? If they want to kick him off the sidelines, that's on them. He can say what he wants to say, and and uh, I don't think that's how you treat people who, who've done so well for your organization. And and, and Snoop Dogg came on and and basically laid laid it out. He says, you know, you got you guys let me wander the sidelines and entertainers wander. He said, Eric Dickerson's a Hall of Famer. How can you? How can you kick off a Hall of Famer and just have all kinds of celebrities on the sidelines? He says that that doesn't make any sense, and and uh, I, I agree with you. You know, here's a guy who uh, who really means a whole lot to that organization, and to get treated that way, you think uh, you think your old buddy Pat Hayden would be is running the show? <laughs> I don't know. We saw him do that. We saw him do that to some uh, some former Trojans. Right. Well. Well, I didn't, he didn't have the chance to do it to me because I wasn't around down there. Anyway. I didn't get, to, I didn't do that. I didn't even go down there. So they never can say he can say that what they did to me because that that never happened to me. And so, because I, I was never in the position for them to say yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, when he comes to ED, he should have red carpet treatment. That's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. The greatest runner in, in Ram history. One of the greatest runners in NFL history. I mean, you know, yeah, he. You know, I, I agree with Snoop. I mean. I don't, I don't, be, I don't believe in the hyperbole he was talking about and cussing folks out. But I mean, he's he, he's right in what what he said. You know, he's a Hall of Famer, and, he, and he's on the sideline walking around. He, Eric Dickerson should be on the sideline walking around. Yeah. You know, so Snoop has his own opinion, which that's fine. And a lot of other people feel the same way about Eric Dickerson. And, you know, like now, 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 Jeff Fisher uh, has, has issued this. What you need to do is, uh, you know, work it out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, don't don't call Eric and don't call him up if that's true. And say, hey man, you know we don't like the way you're talking about the organization, the players. The players feel uncomfortable you being on the sideline. If that's the truth, hey, what you need to do is call call Eric Dickerson in and say, hey, let's sit down and talk. Yeah. Okay. What kind of advice can you give me? Can you, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, and, and I think it's an ego. I think it was an ego. I think his ego was hurt in the way AD was talking about him. So hey man, you just got to deal with it. Yeah. You know, come on. Everybody else is criticizing you. The whole football world's criticizing. I mean, what is it? What are they? Four and eight, a four and seven, whatever they are, four and seven. I mean, it just—it happened to be Eric Dickerson doing, saying what he wanted to say. Yeah, and he's entitled to what he wants to say. And like I said, if, if the heat's too much in the kitchen, get on out of it, but just don't say a word. You know. So, uh, and, and, and I take it, I interpret it. Hey, that's my team. That was part of my team when I first got in the league. I want them to do the best. And he believes they got the talent to do do their best. You know, whatever it is about personnel and pieces they need to have in there. Well, that's his opinion. I don't even get there because I don't even follow the game like he follows it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, you know, get over it. Be an adult. If you like, don't like what the man says, pull him to the side and say, don't let it, don't let it go public. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. Just, just, you know, just be just be adults and say, listen, 
hey, you know, I really don't appreciate that. You know, I know I may have a tough time, and maybe you might disagree with this. Or, you know, well, you, you, they should talk about that behind closed doors where it doesn't become public. You know, we know the press. They need to get every little thing they can say and make a, and make a, a mole out of a mountain. So, uh, but, you know, that's my opinion on that. That's and, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect, and I'm not right. I just think that's just my opinion. I think some people have opinions about it. And uh, the Rams are who they are. And you got to remember also, if you come to Los Angeles in the number two market, you got to win. I don't care if USC, UCLA, SC, the Rams, and just ask the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, if you, don't win, if, you, if you don't win here, that's that's second fiddle. You have to win. And this thing goes for the Clippers. They have to win. Yeah. If you don't win, look, if you don't win championships, in this town, your second fiddle. I mean, the Dodger history, they won World Series. They haven't won anything. What, they won the last World Series since 1988? And San Francisco up north has won, what, three and five years? <laughs> I mean, you know, and so and so you got all that to compete with. Then you got the Lakers, with, what, the, the Showtime? All yeah. them championships with, Phil, with, with, with uh, Pat Riley? Yeah. And, and, uh, and Phil Jackson and all that with the Shaqs and the Kobe's? And the Magic Johnson, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. Yeah. Hey, that's the legacy you got to live to. They yeah. set the standard. That is right. The Maury Wills and the Sandy Koufaxes and the Don Drysdales. And, you know, the Ron Saves and Steve Garvey's and, 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 and you know, uh, Fernando Venezuela, all those guys. You know, Bulldog. You know, all those guys set the standard. So you got to live to that standard. SC, the National Championship, the Rose Bowl Championship, you know, UCLA. You know, the basketball, John Wooden, you know, they set the standard. you got to live to the standard. That's the sad thing about coming to those organizations. And, like, you know, you got the Rams here. Look, the last championship they had in out, out here was, I think, was the 48 Rams or 49 or 50, whatever it is, Waterfield, and those guys, and Tom Fears. And then the next one was the one in St. Louis, the greatest game on turf. <laughs> so, 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 you know, you got to live. you got to live to your brand. And that and that's the pressure of being in, in successful organizations. And this is a tough market. I mean, it's a tough. Uh, you just named above. You know, even even you, you you can cover hockey, the Kings and the Ducks. I mean, this is a tough right. market to be in. And if you got if you right. can't handle the pressure of the market, then you, you, like you say, you need to step out. But uh, you, you you can go you can go coach somewhere somewhere where it's only got one one national sports team, and and, and you can get by with be mediocre and people people live with it they'll follow you for yeah, for example I mean, you're usc usc you're 93 in Idaho state they have a parade for you up in idaho but you're in usc <laughs> 93 I'm, okay that's okay that's okay but if you if you were 90 if, if, if you were the idaho bandits or whatever their name is up there in idaho they put a parade on for you went nine and three <laughs> <laughs> this, is USC. this is USC. You didn't win the Pac-12 championship, and you didn't win the Pac-12 South, and you're going to the Rose Bowl because uh, it was based on what somebody did. You didn't, you didn't control your destiny and stuff, and everybody knows that. But everybody in SC, they, they're glad to see SC being the Rose Bowl because that's the whole thing. Yeah. The brand dictates the team. So the brands dictate the fact that SC's been the national championship guy, always in the national championship run, always been talking about it. Well, they haven't done that in a while. So 9-3 is okay, but that ain't the standard of USC. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say that, but that's just the truth. 
And you know, you know, when you have guys, you know, when you have guys like me walking around with teammates got national championship rings on their hands and stuff like that. And you know, me fortunately, and, and I'm grateful to have, and I have five. I mean, that's the standard. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, Pittsburgh Steelers, they got four, they got five Super Bowls. That's the standard. Yeah. New England Patriots, that's the standard. San Francisco 49ers, that's their standard. Even the Oakland Raiders, I mean, they ain't been there in in, in, in 15 years. <laughs> so in the Dallas Cowboys, that's the standard. That's why everybody's talking about America's team, but everybody, and you got guys like Stephen A. Smith walking around, bad mapping all the time. I mean, but but they remember when they were the Roger Starbucks, you know, the, you know, Emmett, <clears throat> The, you know, all these guys, you know, Troy Aikman, Michael yeah. Irvin, yeah. Emmett Smith, yeah. you know, all these guys, you know, so they were, so, so everybody in every organization has a standard to live to. And that's the pressure in being in LA. You just got to win. You, know, you hear all the comments and say, wait, you have to win in the number two market. We don't win here. You're going to get criticized. And if they think he should be winning, they're going to criticize you. If you have the talent, they're going to criticize you. If, you don't, if they think the coach is not up to par, you're going to get talked about. That's just the way it is here. Hey, if you run out of bounds uh, with, with 20 yards available, people are going to talk about you, man. That's, oh, of course. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Of course. Is. So, you know, is, that's it. When no. you got guy like, like the Rams, when you got a guy like Eric Dick walking down the sideline and everybody knows he should have finished as a Ram, and then he's the leading rookie rusher and the leading all-time rusher single season. Hey, people gonna take their head and say, "Wait a minute, you can't talk about this guy. This guy's telling the truth." Yeah, he won when he at least he was he won here. Didn't win a Super Bowl, but I thought, but I thought that if they'd have kept those teams together, they'd have won a Super Bowl. Right. And that's all what he's. That's basically what he's saying. Hey, look, you got the talent. If you don't get the pieces, structure another offense that you you can expose Gurley and golf and whatever you need to do. And get with it. That's all he's basically saying. I hope I'm uh, paraphrasing basically what he's what he's talking about. Yeah. I'm wrong, but that's basically what he's saying. That was so, my understanding. You know, he's saying, "Hey, you're in L.A. You got to win here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. You got to win." And then not only that, you got to show promise of winning. You can't you can't go in there, you know, figure out why did they lose it because you only had six points here and you only had nine points here. And they're all field goals. You had no offensive movement. You had no run game. I mean, and then you ain't got no run game, you got no pass game. I mean, all of that stuff is being exposed with the Rams and stuff, and that's all Eric is talking about. Yeah. You, 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 people here, uh, like you said, there's. I've always said there are so many options here that people expect you to win. Because if you're not, if you're not going to be winning, you know, I can cut out of this game early and make it to the Kings game this afternoon or I can cut out of there early and make it to the Dodger game or the Laker game or to the beach or there's so many friggin' options here that Well then a lot of guys a lot of people say, Hey look, why not need to watch I can watch this on T V. I just cut the dollar oh, that's Rams or let me cut it over here. Yeah. That's that's what'll happen. People just stay at home. Yeah. Absolutely. I can watch all you know, unless you it's a true, true, true diehard. But most people say, No, I don't watch this. I'll just stay home and watch this. And I'll and I'll and I'll listen to sports and see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, see, I had a guy. I had see a guy you make the highlight the reel. <laughs> yeah, you know, just said, hey, did you make the highlight reel? Something? Oh, the Rams got beat 10 to nothing. Oh, okay. That's the same old Rams. So, I mean, you know, I'm here at all, you know. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so that's, and that's how it is in LA. It's a blase thing. If you're not winning, but if you're winning, man, they're there. But if you ain't winning, forget it. Yeah. You got to win. You got to. You have to win.
You know, I know it's loyalty. I mean, if you was up in Green Bay, you know, they'll be there regardless. You could be you could be one in ten and you'll still pack that that that, that Lambeau State. You could be one in ten and, and thirty below. And that's if the dudes out there with, with no shirts sitting, on. They'll be sitting there with that hot chocolate <laughs> and, and I wanna I wonder if they got more more guts than the players out there to sit up and sit in that cold. There's always two or three guys with no shirts on. <laughs> well, man, I just yeah, they, yeah, them two guys. Them, I saw some guys like that up there. Hey, they need they need to get their brain scanned. They need some supplements. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they, need to, they need to come to Amy Clinic. Yeah, I gonna say you, you get, you, get you give Doctor Haven's card as you walking by. Huh? Yeah, oh, they need to do something, man. They need to do a do a satellite conference with them here and say, look, you need to come to California. And let this man scan your brain or one of his clinics around the country. Does anybody go sit out there at twenty degrees out there with nothing on? They got to be smoking. There's something, something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh god ad tell everybody about your book brother well you know the name of the book is called uh kickoff concussion you know we we're talking about all this football and the greatness and the lat luxury of ball and what's going on but at the end of the day i did this book and dr daniel amon wrote this throw forward called kickoff concussion you can get it on lulu.com or amazon and uh you know, I did it. I'm telling a story about the fact that what concussions can do to you. And what I'm advocating is, is that in the, the colleges and high schools and the NFL should embrace this program that I'm on. And if you're going to play football, there's consequences. And they need to be on a program where, you know, you can uh, be proactive and start treating your brain. And what I'm, and especially when I'm talking to former NFL players, I want to let them all know, listen, depending on the lawsuits and whatever's going on, uh, what you need to do once you retire the game, or even while you're in the game, you need to you need to seek out some help and see if you can get your brain and study, get a study on your brain and see a lock on what's going on, and 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 be able to treat your brain while you're playing or not to have quality life, because your brain can be rehabbed. But if you don't and you neglect it, you'll have problems down the road. If you don't believe me, ask some of the people who are not around. And I, I mentioned, you know, I talked to some. You know, I already told you about some people that are no longer here and uh, wish you could have been helped. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you that there's some notable people out there right now are very are suffering from brain trauma. And so uh, that's what the book's about. And I'm an advocate of it uh, under the Amen program. I've been in with, with him almost 10 years. And I'm the first of getting his brain uh, imaged of 150 ball players, NFL players. He calls me the, the father of his brain study. Well, I think that was honorable to say that he didn't have to. Yeah. But he calls me the father of his brain study. And so what I'm advocating to everyone is that if you play the game of football, there's consequences. So if you do, all I'm advocating, there's, there's something to help and treat all players in all collision sports. And that goes for boxing, MMA fighting, hockey, soccer, and just the general public who falls and have a trauma happens an accident. So I'm just saying you need to treat this serious problem. And it's not going to go away. It's just, a, uh, it's just one of the things. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like to hear and certain people don't like to talk about the fact about concussions, but it's here with us to stay, and we gotta we got to tackle it head on. Absolutely. A.D., as always, it's a pleasure to be able to time to sit back and chat with you, and uh, we'll do it again next week, brother. Oh, and by the way, before I get off, okay. C.W. Chris Fish in L.A. says, how come Swoops don't come down and get some of my catfish and stuff? Because if he eats my catfish, he's going to be in the corner Sucking on them fingers, when he's done. He can't. He can't avoid. He said, "You need to get down here and get some of my catfish." Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to run not down now, there. Not, not, not now, but right now. <laughs> <laughs>
I have to tell you that. Uh, I'm going to have to go down there, man. Check it out. You have, to go, you have to go down there and see that. I definitely okay. will, brother. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, All right. The great Anthony Davis, everybody. Always a pleasure to have a chance to chat with him. And uh, what a night tonight. We had Maury Wills, a, a Dodger, not just a Dodger, a Major League Baseball legend. Um, you know, we, you know, he spent so much time with the Dodgers, and he, he's still a part of the organization and helping out coaching and stuff like that. So we, 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 we wrap our arms around him as a Dodger. But he's a Major League Baseball legend, and, and it was, it was a, such an honor to have him on the show tonight. And as always, uh, we love having AD on and, and chatting with AD and talking about uh, the, what's happening in sports today. So uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, as we always say, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 